Great. Very good morning. Little dental wipes. Not going to need those. I just want to put this a little higher. How are you guys doing? Good. Can I, can I maybe get an elbow? Everyone just give a little elbow. It feels like we're just a little sleepy. There we go. Great. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm married to Kathleen. And um, just want to say a very warm welcome to you guys. I know there's lots of visitors this morning. Just want to say a warm welcome to you. To those of you that are online, um, you're in your kitchen, you're in your lounge, you're maybe in your bed. We won't tell anyone. Um, welcome to you. It's uh, good to be with you too. Before I kind of dive into today, to today's sermon, which I'm really excited about, I just wanted to share two personal things, quick things. So the one is just a, a praise report. Um, as you know, um, Kathleen and I have been on a journey of trying to move to America, trying to kind of be obedient to what we feel God's put in our heart to potentially do ministry there. Um, and we've really struggled with visas um, and getting to the country. COVID obviously has complicated lives. And Last week, we got an email from the university, Kathleen's going to study, and they basically said, um, the door's closed, you're not going to be able to study in January, and so that put a span in our works, um, and we were really praying for a miracle, and the reason I want to share this with you this morning is because on Tuesday, we got another mail to, from the university to say that they found a way. They found a way, I mean, out of the blue, and the door is opened, um, and I wanted to really just give glory to Jesus for hearing our prayers, but I actually also just wanted to say thank you to you guys. Thanks for standing with us in prayer. Thanks for remembering us. It's really, it has been a tough journey for us. It's, it's been a journey that's tested our faith, but I really do love the fact that as Christ's followers, we can surrender our lives to Jesus and relinquish control knowing that he is going to work it all out for our good, even when it doesn't go according to our plans. And so that's the first thing I just wanted to share. Um, but before I move on, I, as I was preparing for this morning, I, I just had a real sense that many people are, are busy fighting prayer battles at the moment. I just had a sense that, that, that people are struggling in prayer, maybe for a breakthrough in health or, or financial or it's relational or spiritual, but you've been on your knees um, and you've, you've been fighting for a miracle fighting for God to break through. And I, I just felt to pray for you this morning, just to pray for a fresh strength and a fresh hope. You know who you are, but I, I just felt that God wants to minister fresh hope to, to give you strength to continue trusting Him for whatever you are trusting Him for. So can I just invite you quickly, close your eyes. If you are busy fighting a prayer battle, um, I would encourage you, open your hands. I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would give you fresh strength. Father, you know the hearts of your people. You know the battles that every single person is facing, both that's here and that's on listening online. And I just want to lift your church up to you this morning. I want to, I want to pray for those that, are, that have been on their knees fighting and, and even a sense of hopelessness has creeped in. Holy Spirit, we pray for fresh strength this morning. We pray for fresh hope. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to give us power to trust you. Continue to give us faith to trust you on our knees. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you sustain us, even in the midst of a valley. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so that's the first thing I just wanted to share. And, and that leads me kind of to the second thing. Obviously, with USA Lumen, we've booked our tickets. We leave on the 2nd of January for Washington, D.C. But this also means that it's, it's my last time pre- preaching in Bosch AM. Um, yeah, until we, until we leave for the USA. And, and so the second thing I actually just wanted to say was thank you. Um, being part of this church has been a privilege, honestly. Kathleen and I have really grown to love all of you. We haven't even met all of you, but we've, we're so grateful, honestly, for the, for the interest you've shown. We're grateful for the love you've shown. We're grateful for the, the conversations and the greetings. And so we just wanted to say thank you. We, we, and also just wanted to say, particularly to the eldership team, you know, we're a young couple. They, a year and a half ago, they allowed us into their space. Um, they took us under their wing. They loved on us. They, they showed us what it is to serve the church. And just, just, just this inspiring team that leads this church. And I just wanted to honor them as well and say thank you. We, if you guys know one thing about us when we leave, we're leaving with our cups overflowing. And so thank you. Okay, enough gooey stuff. All right, let's get that out of the way. Um, all right, so today... We're landing a journey. You, know, you would know that in 2020, we've been journeying through the first half of the Gospel of Mark. We've spent 24 weeks on this journey looking um, from chapters 1 to 8 through the Gospel of Mark. And really, my hope today is to wrap the journey up, to tie all the pieces together as we close off the year. You see, from verse 1 of chapter 1, Mark's main aim of goal or, or, or aim of his Gospel has been to answer really just one question. And that question is, who is Jesus? And the truth is, this is the most foundational question you and I could ask. It's the type of question that when you get the answer right, it leads to life and to joy and to peace and to deep fulfillment. Some of you have experienced this. Some of you are experiencing this. But at the same time, it's the type of question that if you get wrong, it could mean you build your whole life on the wrong foundation. Maybe take a moment to, to think about what's, what's the most foundational question in your life? What, what's the question you wake up with? Am I happy? Am I a good person? Am I wealthy? Money. Am I popular? Am I good looking? Am I smart? Am I living in purpose? I want to put it to you today that no matter who you are and no matter what you believe, the question of who Jesus is is the most important question you could possibly ask. C.S. Lewis, um, he's best known for his writings of Chronicles of Narnia. Um, He also just, by the way, was an atheist throughout his 20s, and then he turned toward following Jesus. And he, he said it this way. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if true, it's of infinite importance. One thing it cannot be is moderately important. Some of you might be here today or joining us online and and you're busy asking this question, who is Jesus? And and we're so grateful that you've decided to join us today. And I want to encourage you on your your exploration journey. I want to encourage you to ask questions. I want to encourage you to check out a life group in the middle of the week. Check out Sundays. Uh, Why don't you try an Ignite booklet? You'll see these booklets in the front of the stage. You can also download them on our website. An Ignite booklet is a 31-day journey for those that are exploring the claims of Jesus. But my encouragement is this. Keep taking steps forward on your journey because I believe 
you're asking the most important question of your life so far. So the question of who Jesus is is also a big question in our culture today. And to be honest, there's many different perspectives and opinions on the matter. Some, some say Jesus was this pioneer for social change. Others say he was a great leader. Some people say he was this moral teacher. Other people believe Jesus was this prophet kind of pointing to another deity. And still others believe he was just some crazy dude who managed to pull off a few miracles. Today, our passage reveals the truth about who Jesus is. You see, up to this point in Mark's gospel, no person has truly recognized Jesus for who he is. But today, everything changes. Today, the mystery is revealed. Today, Jesus opens his disciples' eyes to see him as Messiah, the anointed one that has come to save the world. And, and really, this is the big up big idea of our passage today, and it's my big idea for us, that, that Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him for who he truly is. Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him as Messiah. So no three points today, just one big idea. Jesus wants to show us who he really is. And maybe for some of us, it's, it's for the first time, because to be honest, we've never really known who Jesus is and what he's about. Maybe for others, it's a matter of blurry vision becoming clear again. Because if you're honest, you lost sight of Jesus a long time ago. You, you lost sight of Jesus as your Savior. You lost sight of the love and the forgiveness that Jesus has for you. And you feel tied down in chains, the chains of guilt and shame. And maybe for others today, it's just a matter of seeing this truth freshly because to be honest you know Jesus is your Messiah the one who saves it's like it's, it's too common it, it's lost it's awe and wonder and today you want that re renewed you want that revived Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him as Messiah so today we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 8 verses 22 to 30 we ended in verse 21 last week so I'm going to invite Becky up and she's going to read for us but today's two many stories that point to this one powerful truth, that Jesus opens our eyes. He opens my eyes. He opens your eyes to see him for who he truly is. Over to you, Becky. It came to Bethsaida, and some people brought the blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some people say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. 
Great. Thanks, Becky. The entire gospel of Mark, the entire journey we've been on, pivots on our passage today. Everything that has happened so far in the journey has brought us up to this point. Remember, Mark opened his gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. Mark says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He starts his book by stating his claim, and then for the rest of his account, he shows us why his claim is true. He he proves his thesis, chapter by chapter, story by story. And and today, before we unpack these kind of two mini stories, which really are the culmination of this first part of our journey, I want to take us on a bit of a journey through the highlights of the story so far, a whirlwind tour of the first eight chapters of Mark's gospel, so we can see how Mark builds his case and brings us to this point. Okay, so put your seatbelts on because we're going to move through these quickly. So jumping back to chapter one, you'll remember Mark says that there's this messenger that's going to come, and this messenger is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And when you read chapter 1, you see who this is, John the Baptist. And so we see the messenger is a sign. Then Jesus gets baptized, and the heavens open, and the voice of God declares, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so we see affirmation from God himself. Then Jesus calls his disciples. He says, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what do we see? The people followed Jesus. And so we see affirmation of the people. He then goes and teaches in the synagogues. And it says that they were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And so we see authority to teach. A man with leprosy is brought brought before Jesus and, and Jesus touches this man and heals him. And so we see authority to cleanse. In chapter two, a man with broken limbs is brought before Jesus, and Jesus Jesus has the power to heal him physically, but he does a lot more than that. He heals him spiritually. He forgives his sins, and so we see authority to forgive. We then see Jesus hanging out with tax collectors. He's having lunch, maybe a Woolworths chicken or something, and he's hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Why? Because he came for the broken, and he came for the needy, and so we see a, a kingly compassion for the sinners. Then on the Sabbath, he restores the the life of a crippled man. And so we see kingly compassion, not just for the sinners, but also for the broken in the society. In chapter 3, he takes ordinary men and he sends them out and he he makes them messengers of the kingdom of God. and, And they shape history. And so we see he commissions others to usher in God's kingdom. Later he follows, um, later he tells his followers that actually they are his true family. And so he starts this family who, who live in the ways of heaven while they're on earth. And so Jesus births a new loving family with this heavenly ethic. In chapter 4, he teaches about the kingdom of God in, in ordinary ways that the, the common people of the time could understand. And so we see the, 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 the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom. Later in chapter 4, he had such peace that he could sleep in a boat in the middle of the storm, but such kingly power that he could wake up and still it authority over nature. In chapter 5, he, he delivers a man overcome by darkness and, and sends him out as a messenger of the light. And so we see authority over evil and over demons. Later, Jesus is, is moved by the faith 
of non-Jews, of undeserving people. And he, he heals this woman who was sick for 12 years. And he also raises this other young girl who's passed away. He raises her back to life. And so we see Jesus has authority over sickness and death. In chapter 6, he's rejected in his hometown. And he's rejected by the nation's king who, who feels like Jesus has provoked his conscience. And so we see a man, a king, who's rejected by both the familiar and rejected by the proud. Later, he feeds thousands of his followers. And so we see a king who provides abundantly for his people. In chapter 7, he, he teaches his disciples that on a, in a world that's fixated on skin-deep religion, Evil is not just something that we can wash away from our hands. It's something that has to be healed in each of our hearts. And so we see this kingly insight into our deepest human need. And then with kingly authority, Jesus breaks the religious rules of the day and he heals the child of an outsider, a non-Jew. And so we see Jesus bringing a kingdom for the world and not just a select group of people. And then last week, chapter 8, we looked at how once again Jesus provides abundantly for the 4,000 people he was teaching to. And afterward, how he warns his disciples against the religious spirit of the Pharisees. And so we see a powerful king, but we also see a discerning king. And after all this, after everything that's taken place, in verse 17, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Can you still not see? Can you still not see? It's amazing that no matter how much the people heard and how much the people saw, they could not recognize that this was, this was the promised Messiah. Much like today, everyone had perspectives and opinions and, and views, but their spiritual blindness prevailed. And so up to this point in the story, up to the point of the passage we've just read, no one has actually recognized Jesus for who he is. But then the story takes a turn. And we read Mark chapter 8 from verse 23. His, these friends bring a blind man to Jesus and it says, He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And, and when he had spit in the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they kind of look like trees walking around. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So, so Jesus touches this man, but it kind of doesn't work the first time. It's a little bit blurry. Um, there's some shape, but there's no real clarity. And so he touches him for a second time, and that's when he's restored. His eyes fully open, and he can see 100% clearly. You can imagine this guy's, this guy's walk home. He probably didn't even walk home. He probably ran home, possibly running for the first time. And he probably got distracted along the way, seeing things he had never seen before. But it is worth acknowledging that this is quite a strange miracle. It's strange because it took place over two stages. And in fact, it's the only miracle recorded in the gospel that took place over two separate stages. Matthew and Luke actually leave this story out of their accounts completely. Probably, I don't know, maybe they thought it was going to make Jesus look bad, like he lost you know, his mojo, you know, something, I don't know. But, but the question is, why didn't it work the first time? Why did Jesus have to touch him again to heal him fully? And no, the answer is not Jesus lost his mojo. The answer is actually that, that Jesus was showing his disciples a parable. 
When you read the Gospels, you notice Jesus taught his disciples in parables, but this time he shows them a parable. He shows them a parable concerning their own spiritual blindness. Remember, this whole narrative is about seeing Jesus for who he is. Jesus asked the blind man in verse uh, 23, do you see anything? Just six verses earlier, in verse 17, Jesus says to his disciples, can you still not see? And then in verse 21, he asks his disciples again, do you still not understand? Do you still not perceive? See, the the story of the blind man being given sight is, is, is also about Jesus giving spiritual sight to his disciples. His disciples are like the half-healed blind man. They, they've, they've seen Jesus' greatness. They've seen something of his power. They've, they've seen his miracles. They've heard his teachings. But they just haven't grasped who he is. They, they just haven't been hit with the fact that they are standing in the midst of the promised Messiah, the very Son of God. Their vision is still blurry. And what they need is a, a merciful and loving second touch from Jesus. They, they need Jesus to open their eyes to see him as Messiah. They, they need Jesus to help them see him for who he truly is. And, and to be honest, maybe we need the same. Some of us have been attending church for years. We, we know the Bible stories. We know the worship songs. We've got our Christian friends But if we're honest, our following of Jesus looks more like going to the gym to swipe our card to get our vitality points and never actually going into the gym to use the equipment and allow the equipment to actually shape and change us. We don't meet with Jesus if we're honest. We just swipe our card. Jesus is more your religious leader than he is your friend. Jesus is more your rule giver than your forgiver. He's more distant than he is close. And if you can resonate with any of this in your following of Jesus, you know what I love about Jesus? He always has more for us. He has more for you. He wants to give you a second touch. He wants to open your eyes once more to to see him for who he is, to see him as Messiah, Savior, King, Friend. For others of us, maybe, maybe you feel like you've recently lost sight of Jesus. Uh, maybe it's busyness in your life, end of the year, or, or sin, doing something that you know Jesus has asked you not to do, or, or maybe it's just hardships. These things have caused your vision to go blurry. And, and you know the joy and the peace and the life that comes from seeing Jesus clearly. But the windscreen that was once clear has fogged up, and the sun is no longer visible. And to be honest with you guys, I personally can relate to this. This whole USA journey, which some of you have known about, it's been quite a long journey. This whole journey recently has kind of blurred my vision of Jesus. I've felt so frustrated at times, and my poor wife has to put up with me, but I've felt so frustrated at times um, just because things have not gone our way. And living with this uncertainty of not knowing has just produced in me feelings of disappointment and frustration frustration, and even hopelessness at times. And so um, we re- recently went to Zimbabwe and kind of on our way to Zim on this mission trip, I, I kind of just resigned. 
just resigned. And, and I, so I can say to you, the last four weeks of my life haven't been marked by lots of Bible reading and lots of prayer and spending time with Jesus. Who said preachers were perfect? The, the truth is I've, I myself lost sight of Jesus very recently. And if you're like me and you relate to that, you also feel like you've just lost sight of who Jesus is. Today, I want to trust that Jesus is going to give us a second touch. I want to trust that our spiritual windscreen would be cleared and that we would see Jesus once more and that we would know the life and the peace and the joy that follows as a result of seeing him clearly. Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him as Messiah. Okay, let's jump back to our story. So remember, Jesus has just healed a man's sight physically, but he's about to heal the spiritual sight of his disciples. Now, I just want to give the disciples some credit. Even though their vision has been blurry up to this point, at least they've been pressing in and actively following Jesus. They've been staying close to Jesus. And don't be mistaken, this is an important part of the journey. Staying close to Jesus matters. Being authentically connected into community or a life group, it matters. Reading your Bible regularly, it matters. Coming to church regularly, it matters. Spiritual disciplines are a massive key to help us see Jesus clearly. But the reality is that our, our own efforts can only get us so far. What we need and what the disciples need is Jesus himself to open their eyes, to see him for who he is, to see him as Messiah. And so what Jesus does is he takes his disciples on a walk. In verse 27, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? Like, What's the word on the street? And they replied, well, you know, some John the Baptist, others Elijah, others say you're, the, you're a prophet. So Jesus takes them on this walk. Caesarea Philippi is, is about 40 kilometers away, so it's us going for a little walk to Stellenbosch. Um, and he leads them. Some of you do that. I'm not sure who. Um, but he leads them by asking them two questions. The first question is, who do people say that I am? And the disciples start by saying, well, some people say, you know, you're John the Baptist. And, and that's not a bad guess. They were cousins. They are related. Um, and not just that, but Jesus himself said John the Baptist was a great guy. So, you know. Then the disciples say, well, guys are also saying, you know, you're Elijah. Why Elijah? It's quite an interesting one. Elijah was a prophet from the Old Testament, and he was one of the few prophets that actually did miracles in his day. The other thing that's very interesting about Elijah is that he didn't actually die. Um, Jesus, or someone, God the Father, took him up in a whirlwind. And so a lot of the Jews were kind of expecting him to return because he actually didn't die. And then the disciples also say, you know, people are also saying you're just another one of those prophets. And all of these things might sound like compliments. These are all spiritual figures. But quite the opposite is true. Because what's not being said about Jesus says more than what is being said about him. The, the modern day version of this would be um, seeing Jesus as just a great moral teacher. Or just an amazing leader. Or just, just this great example to base your life on. But all of these deny the real wonder and the uniqueness of what makes Jesus, Jesus. 
It's like someone asking the question, who's Elon Musk? And then I answer it, oh, he's a dude born in Gauteng. It's true, but, but the most important part of that person is lost. And so really, it's no compliment at all. And so in response, Jesus turns the question to his disciples. And in verse 29, he says, okay, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you're the Messiah. Straight away. And th- this, is, this is the turning point. This is a profound moment for the disciples because this is the moment, the first time in the book, Gospel of Mark, that they see Jesus clearly. It's the moment their blurry vision disappears and they see Jesus for who he truly is. Jesus touches their spiritual eyes and, their, and the identity of who Jesus is is revealed. The disciples, they've had enough time collecting data. They've had enough time observing. They've had enough time evaluating. Now it's time to make the call. Now it's time to to take the risk. It's time to go all in on this. Jesus isn't John the Baptist. He isn't Elijah. He isn't a prophet. Jesus isn't just a great moral teacher. He isn't just a good example of how to live your life. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know he's the savior of your soul? Do you know he's the friend who rescued you from the prison of sin and death, even though you were guilty? Do you know he's the selfless sacrifice that showed his love for you by dying a death that you and I should have died? Do you know he's the promised Messiah who came to reconcile man to God? Do you know he's the son of God who sets his people free? Do you know he's the king who rules and holds all things together? Do you know he's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one that is lost? And his disciples get it. They finally see it. It's taken three years of being with Jesus. It's taken eight chapters of Mark for them to get it. But this is the whole point of Mark's gospel, to bring us to this point, to bring us to the point where we see Jesus for who he truly is. So my question to us this morning, my question to you is this, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? How clear is your view of the Son? capital S. Has Jesus opened your eyes yet to see him as your Messiah, the son of God who laid his life down, the savior of the world? You see, seeing Jesus clearly, it will change your life. You cannot be the same when you see Jesus clearly. At the same time, when we don't see Jesus clearly, it can also sink our life. I'm reminded of the Titanic. Did you know that one of the reasons the Titanic sank, and I'm not even making this up, it, it, after the ship sank, an investigation took place. And one of the conclusions found was that the, the ship had no binoculars on board. The second officer who had the key to the safe where the binoculars were kept, he was discharged or transferred before the ship's maiden voyage. And in a later inquiry, um, one of the Titanic lookouts were, were questioned in a panel, and, and he mentioned that if they had binoculars, it probably would have helped them see the iceberg in time 
and dodge it. If the lookouts had been able to see clearly, it would have changed the future of the Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio, he wouldn't be frozen on a door anymore. (laughs) But really, seeing Jesus clearly does change our life. It it can change and it can save our life. But the opposite is also true. When, When we don't see Jesus for who he is, when our vision is a little bit blurry, we miss him. And we miss out on everything he has for us. And we miss out on everything he's done for us. You've got to hear this. If you're not seeing Jesus clearly, it's not a condemnation. It's the fact that you're missing out on what he has for you. You're missing out on what he's done for you. So the question is, how do you know? How, how do you know if your vision is a bit blurry? What are the symptoms to look out for? There's a few. I only want to mention three. The first one is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame is a symptom of not seeing Jesus clearly. Are you feeling guilty and shameful all the time? Do you feel like you can't come back to God because of your sin? Do you always remember your sin and all the reasons why you're unworthy? Well, we find clarity in Romans chapter 8 verses 1. Paul writes this, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. Seeing Jesus clearly means that we, we live in the freedom of his grace and his forgiveness. There is no more guilt and there is no more shame. What about feeling like you've got to earn God's love or approval, even in subtle ways? You've got to do good things because you know then God will care about you. Or you feel like you've always got to work for it. There's a constant working element. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, and he brings clarity for us. He says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift, a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. There is no more earning in Jesus Seeing Jesus clearly means knowing, that the con- knowing this constant waterfall of God's unconditional love. There is no more earning when we see Jesus clearly. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Or what about worry? Are you worrying all the time? Worrying about the future? Worrying about the, the kids? Worrying about safety? Jesus speaks to us. He brings clarity for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 26. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They, they neither gather into barns and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than that? Don't worry about your life. You see, seeing Jesus clearly means knowing that he holds your life in the palm of his hands. And there isn't a single moment of your life where he isn't in full control. There isn't a single moment when he doesn't have the reins. And so what happens is our worry is replaced with peace. I'm going to come in for a landing. The reality is that that many people, both inside and outside the church, miss out on who Jesus is because of spiritual blindness. 
I'm reminded of the words of Paul to the Corinthian church when he speaks about this reality. He says this in chapter four. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that, that yes, some will be blinded. Some will miss it. Some will miss Jesus as the Messiah. But at the same time, it is God himself who shines into our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is Jesus. In other words, seeing Jesus clearly is a work of God. The ultimate cure for spiritual blindness or spiritual blurriness is a second touch from Jesus. Sometimes our spiritual eyes are like a windscreen that's fogged up. And it's fogged up so bad that the sun itself is no longer visible. Yet it is the warmth of that sun that will come and demist our windscreen. The sun itself will restore our clarity so that once more we can see through our windscreen and we can see the sun. This is what Jesus does for us. Can I invite the band up? Can I invite us to stand as well? As we wrap up our journey through Mark, I've had a real expectation for this morning that Jesus wants to show us who he really is. And I want to pray for us that, that he would do that right now as we stand or as we're sitting in our homes, whether you're online or here. I want to land by praying for three groups of people. Firstly, those of you that just for the first time today, it's just made sense. You've known about Jesus. You've heard about him. You've had some experiences of church or whatever your story is. But suddenly today, it's clear and you know you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to follow him. You want to cross that line of faith. The second group of people is those that that maybe have lost sight a long time ago. It feels like you don't really see Jesus for who he is anymore. And, and if you're honest, it, it even may feel like your life is sinking. But you want your blurry vision to become clear again. You want to see him like you did. And for others, maybe it's just a fresh awe and wonder to see him as Messiah. Because the, the truth of it has just become so familiar. So can I ask you to close your eyes? I'm going to pray for each of those three groups of people. And I'm going to trust that Jesus is going to open our eyes this morning. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. It's not my words. It's not the worship. It is only God that can, can give us a revelation of who Jesus is. So firstly, for those that, that feel like they want to cross the line of faith today, you, you feel God calling your name. You can keep your eyes closed, everyone. If that's you, could I just ask you just to raise your hand right now? Just in bravery, say, Gee, I know that I need to cross the line of faith. I know that today Jesus is calling my name. Great, I see that hand. If you've raised your hand, just repeat this prayer after me. 
Jesus, you've opened my spiritual eyes today. And I want to follow you. I thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. I thank you that I can join into your family. And then all the work and all the effort has been taken care by you, Jesus. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive adoption into your family right now. Second group of people I want to pray for is those that have just lost sight. It's been a long time. It just feels unclear, blurry. It it may even feel like your life is sinking. You're swiping your card at church, but very little experience and changes happen. If that's you, could I ask you to just raise your hand? Great. I see lots of hands going up. Great. Just raise your hand as a way of saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I'm reaching out to you. You can just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I want to see you again right now. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Show me, Jesus, that you are my Messiah. Show me your love once more. Show me your grace. Show me your forgiveness. I welcome you back into my heart. Back into my life. Amen. Last group of people, keep your eyes closed. Those of you that just this morning, the the familiarity of Jesus and Messiah and the cross and the gospel, just the familiarity has just, it's just not all, it's not awesome as it once was. The wonder of it has has slightly been lost. And you you just want Jesus to open your eyes as we sing this song. And I'm putting my hand up with you. If, you, if you. if that's you, just put your hand up. If you want to see Jesus freshly today, just put your hand up and reach out to him. Jesus, we come before you right now as your church, and we thank you that it is your spirit. It is the light of God that shines into our hearts to see your glory. And so we pray right now, Holy Spirit, won't you come? If you guys are comfortable, maybe just raise your voice with me in prayer. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and meet with us. Let's just pray as we, as we trust the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and open our eyes to see you in awesome ways this morning, in wondrous ways. Won't you open our eyes? May what's old become new. May the bones have flesh being put on them. Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak life into your church this morning as we sing. Come and awake our souls to see the wonder of who you are. Let's sing together.